Hi everyone, this is Tom Miller, editor of Solar Review, and today I'm joined by David Dunlap, Baywa's Vice President of Operations, and we're actually face-to-face today, which is a rare thing for us. We're at Baywa's annual Business Leadership Summit in New Mexico. It's a two-day event, and we bring a number of Baywa customers together. We host learning sessions about running a healthy business. We've got panels, uh, customers network with each other. It's a good opportunity for them to get time away from the day-to-day running of their businesses and stop and reflect on how things are going and, and have a, an educational experience here. And, and it's all at this lovely Tamaya Resort outside of Albuquerque. So thanks for joining me today, David. Thanks, Tom. Great to see you and great to be here. Yeah. So yesterday there was an excellent panel on storage, and I want to get your thoughts on that at the end. But to kick us off, a few years back we had an initial conversation on batteries and energy storage, and today I'd like to do a short update on that conversation, uh, or storage 2.0 conversation, if you will. So to kick us off, can you briefly describe where we were with storage during our first conversation, and I think it was in 2017, and where we are now? And what I'm thinking is, you know, what's the generic storage conversation happening now versus what it was a few years ago? Yeah, great. That's a great place to start. I think the major difference between now and then is um, primarily that we're actually having that conversation. Um, The installers... Uh, and the homeowners are talking about it uh, now on a regular basis, whereas two years ago we were kind of talking about how are they going to have this conversation. Mm. And we were kind of speculating about what's, what's going to be most important, what, how will they approach that conversation. Okay. And I think today we're seeing a lot of evidence that it is much more a part of the conversation than it was before. I think that's the most noticeable difference okay. uh, right now. Uh-huh. Great. Um, so let's talk a bit about perspective. Um, and I'm thinking about the end user and the installer here. So let's start with the end user. Walk me through what the average consumer thinks about storage and, and you know, what, what, it think, what he or she thinks it can do for them. Um, so in the panel yesterday, there was a great anecdote um, from Barry Cinnamon where he said, um, show of hands in the room, everybody who's installed solar on someone's roof, and of course everyone raised their hand. Right. Um, and then he said, now how many of you had that customer ask you if they right. now had storage in their home? Right. Right? So, so I think there is still um, that basic uh, misunderstanding of the difference between photovoltaic grid-tied energy and storage of that energy, right? And it it, it is complex, right? There's a lot of um, different parts to the system. Um, And on a day-to-day basis, most homeowners still don't interact with their electricity or interact with their energy consumption. So um, to expect people to just automatically understand that there's a difference between generating power and consuming power and then storing it for future use, right? right. So um, we understand batteries. We use them in our electronics all the time. We recharge them from the outlet, whatnot. Um, but we don't think about it sort of at the home level or in sort of a holistic um energy cycle or or management cycle that is that complete system. Right. Um, and PV, grid-tied PV, was really a one-way uh, piece of it, and the grid was our battery. Right. Um, and I think that piece never was really talked about with anybody. Um, and so now it feels like a new conversation, but in point of fact, it's not. It's just, right. are we... Um, are we storing that power in the grid or are we storing it on site locally and keeping it behind the meter for our own use before any of that excess power is sent back to the grid? Right. 
which is something that not the average homeowner is going to understand. Right. So then uh, I think um, that that's a first level of understanding, right, yeah. is that this is a different uh, part of the system. There's other equipment involved. Um, and and then I think very quickly we need to get to what what are the goals? Why, why should I have storage, yeah. right? Yeah, which we can get to in a minute. Uh, let's switch perspectives and walk me through what the um, what's, what is the right conversation for a solar installer to be having with that customer with that either almost no knowledge or, or very cursory knowledge of what batteries and storage mean? Um, it, it, there's probably a, a few different right conversations. Some of it may depend on the installer's kind of perspective or attitude about education versus just making a sale. Yeah, okay. um, and I think that our industry is still in a place where we want to impart knowledge, we want to raise awareness, we, we, we're willing to take time to educate each other and, the, and, and our customers. So I think that's always a good, from my perspective, that's always a great conversation to have. But storage is complicated. Um, and and I think that there's potentially some pitfalls or some uh, rabbit holes that can quickly consume a lot of time. And if you think about just the economics of a sales cycle and, and yeah. being able to get to a conclusion, simpler is going to be better. right? So I think getting mm -hmm. to the essence of why does this customer want or need storage um, and do I have a solution sort of already figured out and can I match the right solution to the right customer need I think yeah. um, getting to that fairly quickly is, is important. Is there any point in having a storage conversation even if you don't think that the customer is ready for storage or might be interested in? Is there any like planting the seeds that, that installers might, might want to do? Absolutely. Uh, there's no question that um, having an opportunity to make a second sale to the same customer um, is a big business benefit, right? You have zero acquisition yeah. cost in that case. And since uh, acquisition costs are one of the most expensive parts of the solar sale, then yeah, huge benefit. Um, so I think there's that that's certainly true. Um, I think there's a lot of curiosity. I think that's one of the other differences in the last two years is that it's more likely to be brought up by the homeowner than it used to be. And so being prepared to talk about it and, and knowing where you want to go with it. Do you want to make a larger sale now or do you want to just plant the seed, as you said, for for a, a future uh, retrofit? So, And yes, there are going to be differences in, in exactly what you want to specify for that design if you're going to do it now versus later. And so you don't want to close the door to to know today you still want to have that option for coming back later and know what that looks like right yeah. and I want to ask you a bit about the future um, in a couple questions but um, let's talk about some of the pros and cons of adding storage to your offerings are there immediate benefits you know what are the long-term implications so let's, let's start with the benefits. So I think we just mentioned one, all right? That's a huge benefit for the installer, uh, <clears throat> being able to make a repeat sale or a larger sale. That has obviously um, positive uh, benefits for, for the installer. The lower or zero acquisition, customer acquisition costs is a big one. Um, and then I think from, from the homeowner standpoint, there is a higher level of energy autonomy or ownership of that energy cycle. Um, and I think that... Um, I don't know that I would say that it's by any means necessary, but um, I think it's empowering. And I, and I think that, that um, a lot of homeowners can get to a place where they can see a benefit for themselves of at least understanding and controlling um, a bigger piece of, of that. Right, so there's a technological component, uh, actually what storage might do, but then there's also a psychological component 
uh, involved here. Is that yeah, right? yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and and actually, if you look at the pure economics of adding storage to a solar system today, there are very few markets where you can make a compelling financial argument to right. to put that money in the investment in by some very simple uh, math. You have to have a, a very large cost difference between the peak rate charges from a utility and the sort of nominal rate charges in excess of 20 cents a kilowatt hour um, before it even starts to get to a sort of a break-even point over 10 years. And um, when you look at it that way, that's not the reason people are putting storage in today, right? So right. Um, I think you can make an economic argument, but that's not the most compelling one. And I think then it starts to get into some of those more psychological or philosophical um, realms and, and they'll probably resonate with people in a lot of different places but I think one of them is kind of just ownership and control of their energy future. Okay, so if there's no compelling reason and if it's not penciling out to add storage, why should you talk to customers about it at all? If there's the, obviously the psychological component you just went over, but why add storage? Um, I think we all know that it is coming. Um, so I think we're also, in a bigger picture, it's kind of just being at that early adopter phase. And there are a lot of people who are part of uh, a new technology adoption that are not doing it for the economic reasons, but eventually they are going to create the economic argument and an opportunity in the future. So the more we build the demand, the more um, advances in the technology, the more the price comes down, um, the economies of scale, and the more that economic argument actually starts to, to come into play. So I think we are, we're, we're playing our part in that larger kind of machine that is technological advance. And, costs of the new technology will go down. We know that the cost of fossil fuels and other what are becoming uh, more scarce uh, methods of, of energy production are going to go up. Um, solar already is generally um, on par with most conventional fossil fuels, much better actually than coal and some others, probably equal with natural gas. So, And, and just think about where that was five, ten years ago. Solar was way more expensive. So I think we, we understand that um, that economic argument is coming into play. Right. So maybe we're at a point where we're taking on a lot of our own education, we're educating customers, we're planting seeds, we're taking projects where we can, where people are interested, so we can learn how to install it um, and kind of play our part, as you say, yeah. for the future of, of storage. Absolutely. And think about it like with the electrical car market. Um, most electric cars are more expensive than their gasoline car counterpart. You know, There's not a lot of charging station infrastructure in the U.S., but that's not stopping people from wanting to do it and, and playing, again, that sort of early adopter role and saying, this is where we need to go. We know that we need to go to electrical transportation, so um, we've, we've got to participate. We have to, we have to jump in. Right. So, okay, we talked about some of the immediate benefits, some of the long-term implications of, of having storage, uh, some educational components. What are the challenges around adding storage to your offerings? You know, give me the top three things that installers need to know when considering adding storage. Yeah, it's great. I think that um, it's important to understand that storage is complex. And uh, just because we've gotten used to what a grid-tied PV system is, all the components, the parts and pieces, we're, we're now adding not just a couple of extra components, but a whole nother layer of complexity to it. It's not just the, the technology of the storage, but it's the brains that are running it, the, the smarts, if you will, the software that's making the decisions about, um, are, am I discharging or recharging the battery now? Am I taking power from the PV array and sending it into the house consumption or into the battery to charge or releasing some of it into the grid? There's a whole 
extra layer of complexity there and um, component parts and pieces that if anybody thinks it's just going to be a simple plug and play, they haven't looked into it yet. It, it is going to be more complex. I think another big potential challenge or, or maybe a disadvantage would be that I think right now a lot of people want storage for the belief that they need the backup functionality. Um, so in a power outage, or they actually are envisioning being able to disconnect from the electric utility grid um, and be independent. And right now, that's not what the products are kind of trying to do. They're really trying to do that time of use, cost of energy arbitrage. They're meant to cycle um, uh, up and down throughout the day, charging and discharging. They're not really meant to be a standby replacement of a, a generator backup kind of a situation, but I think that is what a lot of people want to have. Yeah. And any installer who is going to sell that needs to understand that relationship and what you're offering the homeowner. Yeah. Um, I think there's a potentially an incredibly long-term relationship there by saying, I am now giving you your power independence and yeah. your um, backup capability. When is the power going to go out for that customer? It's going to be in the middle of a storm on a holiday, right? Something horrible. Um, and in that situation, you as the installer are going to be their first call because something right. didn't go right, right? Um, and um, maybe you can deal with it in 10 minutes, but um, maybe not. Maybe it's a bigger issue. So building that into your assumptions and, and your risk management is, is going to be important. Right. And uh, during the panel yesterday, Barry Cinnamon was talking about when that power does go out, and I think they talked about an instance where the family was having a Thanksgiving dinner, and their battery was on like a 30% point, and so they had a you know a couple hours worth of power, but you know it wasn't at 100%. So customer has to understand that they're not going to have 100% at all the times. Something to think about. Exactly. Um, and, and it gets to the um, sort of playing the what-if scenarios. What are we really trying to design for? And uh, there's probably a lot of goals that the homeowner might have, and one any one system may not be ideal for all of those goals. So I think making those choices, making those prioritizations, and then just being honest about, well, this is not the situation we were planning for. We were planning for the, the um, cost balance not the backup scenario. And are we backing up critical loads just to keep the refrigerator and uh, some essential lighting on? You could run that for a lot longer than trying to back up the whole house, right? So there's a very different order of magnitude difference in terms of the amount of um, stored energy needed for those two scenarios. Um, and so being very clear about it, being willing to have that conversation with the homeowner and, and um, designing the right solution for, for their worst case or their priority. Um, being clear about that. And I think there, there was one final kind of um, top three challenge, um, and I think that's around the financial opportunities that storage offers. There's a lot of different ways that the storage technology can be leveraged in terms of financial gain, uh, whether it's time of use, if, if that's what the important goal is, or there are companies out there now who are basically making commitments to the utilities for a certain amount of stored capacity that they can use as a demand response to the utility. We'll be able to pull power out of these 
you know, thousand homes, whatever, and plug them into the grid at a at a time of high high need. That's a that's kind of revolutionary thinking in my mind. You usually had a backup generating plant that would do that kind of thing, but that is the future of distributed energy generation. And I think that's a very intriguing and interesting financial market. But that's very complex, right? Yeah. And so I think there's a challenge there. It's an opportunity, but I think it's also potentially a challenge. You know, maybe this is a good segue to kind of a future looking part yeah, part of the dialogue. But um, I, I do think that there's, right now we're at that place where most people are thinking about the way that I independently as an individual homeowner am contributing to my energy footprint. And I think uh, in the very near future, that idea of community solar, community storage could look like, I don't necessarily have solar and storage on my home, but my neighborhood has a shared collective array and a battery bank, and we just pay into it, right? And somebody owns that asset, maybe it's just a virtual company, but there's that idea that um, as part of this energy or community cooperative, we are buying and selling our energy ourselves, and in that aggregate community, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, whatever it is, we are kind of um, helping out each other and, and taking care of our circle of energy need um, and I think that's really exciting. I think yeah, that's some, really some interesting. Really cool things coming out of that. Great. Um, well, let's then let's talk about the future. Then, um, what can you lay out? Uh, what's the storage trajectory over the next few years? I think in the in the shorter term, um, it's really going to be just about incremental um, sort of adjustments to the specific battery technology, battery chemistry. There's some interesting things um, coming out of R&D in terms of um, adjustments to the current lithium-ion battery. We may see those in the next five years. Um, what what that'll translate into most likely is just a lower cost and a higher stored capacity, right? So it's an incremental boost and an incremental change, but it means that for the same um, uh, upfront cost of equipment, we might be able to store 20% more uh, energy, right? Something to that effect. I think that's going to be the most uh, obvious one. And then uh, I think they're going to see a lot of new developments around what I was calling the brains of the system, the software, and the way that we're managing the, the energy not only within the home, but on that larger scale. Um, so as we move to, um, in many areas, many utility um, districts, we're exceeding 10% renewables injected into that um, system. And so we're, a lot of people believe that the 10% is that first critical threshold of where now we're looking at distributed energy generation and energy management rather than the classic model of energy generation pushing it one direction into consumption. So now we're kind of generating and consuming in a, in a spiral, a circle, a, a lots of other geometries, but there's a need to, to have some kind of artificial intelligence that's managing that energy real time. And I think we're getting to, to start to see where um, some of those software tools yeah, really, it's it's a it's about AI kind of technology that that can manage that that energy flow in a in an intelligent way, um, right. send it where it needs to go. So I think we're going to see some advances in that too. Really interesting. Okay, lastly, just to wrap up, there was an excellent panel uh, yesterday in our business leadership summit, and we'll be sharing that soon in Solar Review. But can you did you have any takeaways from that uh, panel? You know, and if you didn't have specific takeaways, was there anything in particular that sparked some new ideas or thinking for you? 
Um, I did. I, I think um, I consider myself a little bit of a product geek. I like to look to the, the product technology and kind of the, the, the physical product first. And one of the things that came out of the panel was that, that idea of the financial opportunities and kind of where the value add of that technology actually lies rather than the technology itself. And so I think um, for me, it's helpful to, to get me out of that mindset of product first and think about um, what do we do with this, what's the goal, what's the value opportunities, um, and that was exciting. And I think that, um, that I haven't uh, probably spent enough time looking at and investigating where those opportunities may take us. So I think that was the most exciting one to hear um, where that is today and, wh and where that might go in the future. Great. Well, it's been lovely. Thanks so much, David. Absolutely. Really Tom. appreciate it. Good to it. see you again. Yep. Enjoy the rest of the event and have a good trip home. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay.